prayer this year has been that Christmas would be meaningful, really meaningful, that I truly understand the depth of the incarnation, of God coming in the flesh. And so, uh, yeah, this, this morning's message is kind of a one-off message, just looking at, at Christmas from a, from a different perspective, and I, and I think a perspective that is, that is truthful and accurate, but it's, it's not always celebrated leading up to Christmas. So I thought, you know, we'll get it in after Christmas. So uh, uh, hopefully this will be uh, useful to you guys. Uh, one of the gifts that, that I, uh, growing up, um, desired was uh, x-ray vision, yeah, x-ray glasses. Um, and uh, so growing up in South Africa, I had, um, on my mom's side of the family, we'd get together, they were all German, okay? And we would get together Christmas Eve, and, and Santa Claus would come Christmas Eve in, in, in the flesh, a real guy, being the neighbor or someone like that. I always, you, you kind of had to guess, you know, who is it? And I once reckon, when I was a kid, I recognized my neighbor's shoes. He had these old shoes he was wearing, and I was like, I know who he is. Um, but, but we would get together, and, and here's the cool thing. Even though my mom's side of the family was German, my mom's sister, my aunt, had married a Greek man, uh, George Karitsis. And George Karitsis, my uncle George, owned a toy store. I mean, isn't that, that's like, you know Christmas is going to be good. And so I was hoping, and, and all along, I was hoping that, that my uncle George would uh, gift me a set of x-ray goggles, glasses, whatever. You know, something that, you know, any, any, as a kid, you, you kind of want to be able to see through walls. You know, so you could be in your room or, or somewhere, and you'd be able to see your parents coming, and you'd be able to be ready for them, uh, or, you know, put away what you shouldn't be doing, or, or at least know what's going on. And I think there's this desire to, to, to be able to see things uh, that, that other people couldn't, so you could kind of um, be prepared. And so, yeah, I, th- I think x-ray vision would, would really make life easy. Um, and so now as a grown-up, you know, on the fire department, we, we have, um, it's called a, a thermal imaging camera, which is really cool. You can, you can kind of see different temperatures. So if someone's out there and you can't see them, you can put on the tick, the thermal imaging camera, and see them. It's really cool. You can see if there's fire behind the door or not. And so I'm like, man, wouldn't that be cool to have like that and x-ray vision and all of that? So, um, but as I've matured, there, there is a desire that I have um, to be able to see things. Um, to see things spiritually. And, and it's often when I'm maybe meeting with someone or, or in a conversation or in a situation, um, in an event, where, where I will pray and I will ask God to show me what's really going on. Have you ever been that in a circumstance like that or a situation like that where maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's in, there's some conflict and, and you're like, what is this about? What is going on here? What, what, is, what is the backstory to this event? How did we get here so fast? And so this is a prayer I pray um, often, that God, would you help me see? Would you help me see? And, and, and for me to see people the way that, that he sees them, so I often pray that. Jesus, would you help me? Give me your eyes for this person right now. Because my eyes, they're not good right now. I, w- I want your eyes. I want to be able to see them the way you see them. But, but also to, to see what's really going on in their hearts. Th- th- there's times where I, I wish I could just see what's, what's really going on um, 
I think so often we, we hide things very well. We hide our hurt. We hide our pain. And, and so often I'm like, man, I'd love to maybe be able to see that. Um, and also maybe to see myself uh, accurately. I don't know. Do you ever pray that? You know, how do other people see me? What's their perspective or perception of me? Um, and, and so to see myself accurate, accurately. And th- there's a passage in Second Kings. We're going to be bouncing around a little bit. Um, and we're getting to Christmas, okay? I promise you, we're going to get to Christmas. But we're going to start in Second Kings. Um, because there's this beautiful, beautiful passage there. Um, and, and I want to apply that to Christmas. So Second Kings chapter 6. Uh, and, and so basically what's happening, the backstory is you've got this king of Aram. And, and he, every time he goes to do anything against uh, Samaria and Israel, uh, the king of Israel knows what's going to happen. The king knows. And, and he's like, how is this happening? Do I have spies? He's like, no, no, no. There's Elisha the prophet is able to tell what your movements are, okay? So the king of Aram is, is he's like, I got to get rid of Elisha the prophet, because if Elisha keeps foretelling and prophesying what I'm going to be doing, if I get rid of him, then I could be successful in battle. And so uh, we're going to pick up, this is 2 Kings, so Old Testament, kind of chapter 6, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 13 onwards, okay? Kind of set it up a little bit. And so this is the king of Aram speaking. He says, go find where he is. And he's talking about Elisha. He wants to find Elisha the prophet, uh, the king ordered. So I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan, and he's speaking about Elisha. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God, this is Elisha's servant, when he got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Do not be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. So, and imagine you are Elisha's servant. And there's this army. You're in this little town, Dothan. And uh, there is an army of the enemy surrounded the whole town. And the servant wakes up. And with his visual eyes, all he sees, what he sees is an army surrounding the city. And he knows why they're there. They're there to get Elisha. And Elisha says, don't worry, it's okay, relax. Those that are with us are more than those that are with them. And I mean, this servant had to be going like, what on earth are you talking about? Like, I mean, he's looking around and there's this tiny little town and there is an army surrounding the town. The king of Aram's army has surrounded the town. And Elisha says, no, it's okay. Those that are with us, and he's like, well, there's just the two of us. <laughs> Who's with us? are more than those that are with them. And so look what it says. Elisha prayed. I love this. Elisha prayed. Open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Um, And I, I think just the servant can see what Elisha is, is talking about. And, and so there's a physical army surrounding the city. 
but behind that, there is an army of horses and chariots of fire. And I believe these would be angels, um, armed and, and, and just awe-inspiring, surrounding. Now, this army, the physical army, cannot see it. And so the crazy thing is, is um, this army is looking for Elisha. Elisha goes out. They, they're blinded. And so then he leads them into one of the cities in Samaria, and they get taken captive. This whole army gets taken captive. They feed them a good feast and send them back in this peace. I mean, it's like, really? Just, I mean, God, love it. Total, total anticlimax, but really cool. But um, what if we could see the way that Elisha's servants saw and the way that Elisha saw? Elisha was able to, even before he prayed for his servant, he was able to see uh, spiritually what was going on here. And, and he was fearless because he could see what was really going on. That, yes, there was a physical army, but behind them, beyond them, was a spiritual army. And so Elisha could see that. So how would we view Christmas differently if we could see that way? If, if God would open our eyes and we could see what was going on spiritually at Christmas. So I've thought a lot about that. Um, what would it look like? to be able to see spiritually. Because I think so often we, we fail to see spiritually what God is doing. In, in the midst of our battles, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our conflict, when just in the midst of life, okay, just trying to, trying to just get by, we fail to see what's going on. We fail to see what God is up to sometimes. And so that's a prayer that I pray. Um, often just... Right, right in the middle of, of stuff. God, open my eyes. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see what's really going on. See, because there is a physical reality, and that's the world that we live in. That's the world we, 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 we do business in, we raise kids in, we get married in, we live in. That is a reality. But there is also a spiritual reality. There is a spiritual world that is just as real, if not more real than the physical world that we're in. And so often we take our cues, we take all our, our perception and our, our everything that we, we, we see in the physical world, and we forget sometimes about the spiritual world. And I think we can do the same with Christmas. We can look at Christmas through just the, the, the eyes of the physical world and think about, you know, Mary and Joseph's struggle and as a young couple having a child and, and having to, to flee to Egypt and you know, the Magi, and, 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 and there's no room in the inn, and we can see all the, the physical struggles. But, but what was going on spiritually? What was going on behind the scenes? If, if we could open our spiritual eyes, if we could see what was going on, um, yeah, what would it look like? Because I think we've got to understand what Christmas is really about. Christmas is about God Himself coming in the flesh, God breaking from the spiritual world into the physical world in the flesh as a newborn baby to rescue us. Jesus comes as a, an infant, as a baby, to rescue us. Jesus comes born of a virgin to live and ultimately die and be resurrected. And He comes to rescue us. And, and so we've got to ask ourselves, to rescue us from what? Because I think uh, there is a temptation in our, in our Western world, at least, 
to, to go like, you know, I've got life figured out here. Um, life's pretty good, so, so what do I really need to rescue from? But He comes to rescue us from sin and darkness and death. He comes to rescue us from eternal death, from hell. Now, folks, just like we, we, can, we can pretend all we want to that hell is not a real place. It uh, doesn't mean we won't go there. <laughs> just because we don't believe it's real um, doesn't change the reality of it. And so God sends Jesus Christ to rescue us. That was His mission. And, and do you think... Thinking about Christmas, God sending His Son, Jesus, to be born as a baby, uh, to rescue us, do you think that that, that mission, that, that endeavor, was that opposed? Do you think that that rescue mission was opposed, or was it just an easy, like, hey, walk in, guys, let's go? No, I believe that this rescue mission of Jesus coming to ultimately die on the cross for us was, was deeply opposed spiritually. See, because in the spiritual reality, we have an enemy. God has an enemy, and because we are God's children, we have an enemy. And, and that enemy is, is real, and he's personal. He, he is your enemy. Not just some enemy out there, but he is your enemy. And would would love for you to be separated from God for eternity. And so you have an enemy. I think, I think sometimes we, we have kind of become so um, complacent. Uh, kind of the image I was thinking of, if you've ever seen uh, movies where they've, where they've tried to capture the reality of uh, World War II prisoner camps uh, and kind of Nazi war camps, death camps. And imagine... Imagine you are liberated by the alleys. The alleys come in, and, and they, they are there to, to liberate, to set you free. And you're like, you know, uh, we, we kind of got a little system figured out here. You know, we're, we're doing okay here. We've kind of made friends with the enemy, and, and, and things are okay. I think some of us live that way. Starving, chained up, um, imprisoned. But because we've been that way for such a long time, we've kind of made peace with it. We've kind of thought, you know what, this is just how everyone, I mean, this is how everyone lives, so, so is freedom really a reality? So my question to you this morning is, do you know that you have an enemy? And what are you going to do about it? And how does Christmas all fit into that, okay? Um, see, because I think, yeah, we, we have an enemy, he's real, and we are prisoners. But the story of Christmas, of Jesus coming in the flesh, Jesus says later on in His life, when, when He's asked, what, what are you here for? He says, I have come to set the captives free, to, pro, to proclaim good news for those that are, that are prison, in prison. And so He comes to set the captives free. And, and I, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 12. We're going to read the whole chapter, Revelation chapter 12, because it is, I believe, a, a very clear image um, of the birth of Jesus. I think the, 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 the people described here 
um, can be applied. And, and, and we've always got to be careful with revelation. We've got to, we, we can't just say, hey, this is the only meaning. But I believe this is a very clear picture of what Christmas looked like if we had to open our eyes spiritually, okay? So if we look at the physical Christmas, we have a pretty good account of, of Mary and Joseph and, and no, no room in the inn and the Magi and then fleeing to Egypt. But what was going on spiritually, okay? So, so if you want to like that prayer that Elisha prayed for his servant, let's have a look at what was behind Christmas. What was really going on? Why were there so many angels around? And, and remember our image of angels? We have to make sure that we have a, a, an accurate view of angels. These were mighty warriors, armed, dangerous. Every time they show up to people, they go, fear not, because people were like, oh, an angel, okay? Wasn't a little cuddly baby. And, and so you got all these angels appearing uh, at Jesus' birth. What was going on spiritually at that time? And so let's read and, and, and just read Revelation 12 and, and think about how this image could reflect or, or, or be applied to the birth of Jesus Christ. And so we know that Revelation is, is written by, by John, one of Jesus' closest disciples. Uh, he's imprisoned on the island of Patmos, and he, and he writes. He, he, God gives him these visions, and John just records these visions. And I'm not sure how much John understood of these visions, and, and, and sometimes they're hard to interpret. But let, let's read, okay, uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 1 onwards. It says, A great sign appeared in the heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for a thousand two hundred and sixty days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He's filled with fury because he knows his time is short. 
when the dragon saw that he had been hurled down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness, where she would be taken care of for a time, times and half a time, out of the serpent's reach. Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with a torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. The dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Wow. That is a very different image of what Christmas may have been like. This image of, of a woman giving birth and this, this dragon ready to devour this child because he knows, and, and it says there, this Messiah, he knows that the Savior has come and, and he knows the outcome. He knows that this battle is going to ensue and he knows the outcome of the battle that, that, that Michael and his angels, that, that those who are with us are greater than those who are against us. And so we know the outcome of this battle. But right now, we're living in the midst of this battle. We live, we live in the midst of this. The outcome is not come yet. So right now, you have an enemy um, who is personal, who knows you, who, who can't make you do things, but, but who can tempt you. And, and this Christmas story of Jesus coming as a baby in the flesh there is so, so much power, and, and, and it is a deep story. There is so much at stake here, because this is God's plan of salvation. This is God's rescue plan. This is God's rescue mission, and it's opposed. We know that Satan does not want God to come in and save us. Satan would much rather that, we, that Jesus never lived, that Jesus never survived. How do we, do you guys remember what happened after Jesus' birth? In the okay. Let's unpack this a little bit. A couple of things happened. Um, first of all, the angels, okay? Why, um, Luke chapter 2, we know that uh, the shepherds are out on the hillside. An angel appears to them. Uh, the first thing the angel has to say to the shepherds, and remember we said the shepherds were, they were a pretty tough bunch. They were used to fighting off wild animals and stuff like that. First thing the angel says is, fear not. So the shepherds receive this message, and then a, a company Remember, we said a company was a military term. A company of angels come, and I mean, the whole hillside is lit up, and these angels are singing God's praises, singing this message that the Messiah has come. It's um, Luke chapter 2, verse 13. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on peace, and, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. I was thinking, sometimes we think the angels were just here to bring the message, but what if, what if they were doing something else as well? What if, if we opened our spiritual eyes, these angels who are, are warriors um, are there to, to protect, to guard, to do battle, and maybe they've just come back from this great battle, and they are just fired up. Because they, they, they've had victory, and, and they stop by the shepherds, and they're singing and whooping it up. 
What is the spiritual reality around Jesus' birth? So think about the angels. Think too about um, Satan's plan to, to kill Jesus. We know that um, Herod, who's not a good guy at all, I think in this situation is definitely an instrument of, of Satan. Um, and when he hears that, that this, this new king has been born and that the Magi don't return to him, remember the Magi did not go back to Herod. On their way there, uh, they'd, they'd stopped at the palace to find out where this new king was born and, and, and the chief priests say, hey, it's Bethlehem. And so when the Magi don't return, what does Herod do? He has every male child, two years and younger, killed in Bethlehem and the surrounding area. So what does that look like if we open our eyes spiritually? In terms of that dragon trying to devour this child. Uh, I want to read from Matthew chapter 2. It says, um, when they had gone, this is the Magi, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, and take this child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Escape to Egypt? Like, what are we escaping from? Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for this child to kill him. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I will call my son. When Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years older and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. So, the image, a few years ago, Ryan, I think I sent you the Christmas card of the baby and the dragon. Um, you know, so often the, the, our, our Christmas cards make it seem like the birth of Jesus was this quaint, um, lovely, beautiful time. You know, the, the, the straw was clean and the, the animals were all well behaved and, and, and the cave was just smelled like roses. But what was going on spiritually? What was the reality of the birth of Jesus Christ coming to rescue us, coming to liberate us, coming to set us free from our enemy? I think Jesus' birth, the, the Revelation chapter 12 image of Jesus' birth is far more accurate. That Jesus' birth was opposed Because of the mission that Jesus came for. Because Jesus came to rescue us. And Satan knows that if he could get to Jesus as an infant, that our rescue would be in jeopardy. That our rescue might not happen. That God's plan might be thwarted. But it wasn't. And so, so hopefully, I, I want you to go home with this image, and I want you to think about this image. Go and read Revelation chapter 12 again. And, and just think about what is Christmas really about? Christmas is ultimately about God sending His Son to rescue us. And this is not just rescue humanity. This is to rescue you, you personally. This is, Christmas is personal. It's about me and you. It's about God coming to rescue you. 
And just as Christmas is personal, I want you to know as well that you have an enemy uh, and the battle is personal. Yes, there is a, a larger battle, a, the kind of bigger picture spiritual battle between God and His angels and Satan and His demons. Yes, that, that is going on and that is very real. But you are involved in that battle personally. We don't get to just opt out. We don't get to just go like, well, I don't really believe in that stuff, so, oh well, you know, it doesn't affect me. And so, I want to encourage you to pray that prayer that Elisha prayed for his servant. Father, would you open our eyes to see what's really going on? I, I, I want to challenge you to pray that prayer. I think it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a scary prayer to pray. Because sometimes maybe in the midst of an argument with someone, pray that prayer and say, God, open my eyes to see what's really going on. Maybe in the midst of, of, of temptation, when you're, you're being tempted, pray that prayer. Father, open my eyes to see what's really going on. Maybe if you're, uh, I don't know if you guys do this, but sometimes when I'm, when I'm just working with my hands, my mind can go places. And I can start thinking um, junk, like, like about people and, and just stuff. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Oh, hang on. Hang on. Okay, God, show me. What's really going on here? You know, when, when our hearts kind of move in like weird places, that's when we need to be praying. Jesus, would you open my eyes to, to look beyond just the physical, to look beyond just what we see going on in our world right here. But what's behind it? What's, what's the reality behind it? So I want to encourage you to pray that prayer. I believe that God um, will answer our prayer that God over time reveals to us what's going on. He will show us. He will give us the eyes to see what is really going on. So I want to encourage you to pray that prayer. Um, if, if, if this is a little bit like, ah, oh, how, how does this all work? I want to encourage you to do something else. Um, if you've never read, uh, it's a great book written by C.S. Lewis, okay? C.S. Lewis wrote Screwtape Letters, Okay. If you want to uh, get a, a clearer image, I, I think C.S. Lewis did an amazing, amazing job. Um, Screwtape Letters is essentially a dialogue between a, a, a demon overlord and his, like, underling type thing. Anyway, so this, this um, I kind of remember who's, uh, Wormwood, which one's Wormwood and which one's, Wormwood's the apprentice, okay. So, so Wormwood has, thanks, Wormwood has a, a, a person that he's supposed to torment, okay. And Screwtape is his uncle, and Wormwood keeps asking. It's, it's kind of written in satire, so it's funny, but there's so much truth and depth in it. In terms of just understanding how temptation works, understanding how some of our thoughts work, understanding how Satan works in this world. I think C.S. Lewis had a very clear, I, 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 I believe God spoke to him and gave him this image because it's, it's beautiful. And I'd encourage you, if you have not read it, uh, I'm going to go read it again, because it's just a great reminder. Uh, read it to your kids. They will, well, maybe to your teenagers, um, because it's, it's, not a kid, it's not Narnia, okay? Read your kids Narnia, and then when they're a little bit older, read Screwtape Letters to them. Um, but folks, we have an enemy, and, and if you look at Christmas, there was a lot more going on than just the shepherds and the magi and, and the stable.
Christmas was a daring, daring rescue for you and me. Christmas was, the cross is part of Christmas. We can't separate Christmas to the cross. Jesus' incarnation, Jesus coming in the flesh was to rescue you and me. And we've got to understand the spiritual battle that has going on around that. And so our prayer is that, that our eyes would be opened to what's really going on. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we come to you and, Lord, would, would you open our eyes? Would you open our eyes to see the truth of what's going on spiritually around us? Lord, sometimes we can get caught up in, in the conflicts and the battles and the, the struggles of, of our physical lives here. And Lord, we can, we can get so caught up in it and think that this is the only reality and, and get so um, bogged down in the things of this world, in all the details, in all the arrangements, in, yeah. Father, my prayer is that you would open our eyes. Lord, would you give us the vision and, and the perception to see what's really going on? And Lord, as we look at Christmas, would we see what was really going on there? That, that this was, yeah, truly daring rescue that was opposed. That there was a, a powerful and and large spiritual battle going on at the time of your birth. And that, that battle continues to go on, in, and it's real in our lives. Lord, that there is a spiritual battle going on for our hearts and souls and, and hearts and minds. Father, I pray that you'd open our eyes, that we may see just the reality of that battle. Lord, I know that um, we can fill our lives with with just the details and, and, and all the things that, that we kind of just keep balls juggling in the air. Lord, our, our jobs and our relationships and, and our, our recreation and, and just, Lord, life. Father, I pray that this Christmas season we would see what's really going on. Lord, would you give us your eyes for the people around us? Give us your heart the people around us. And Lord, would we be able to see ourselves the way you see us, as sons and daughters of the King, who, who have a, a, a vital role to play in the kingdom. Lord, we're not just spectators, but we're on the field, we're in the battle, and we have a role to play. Father, I pray that you would wake each one of us up where we kind of just think of ourselves as on the sidelines just watching. Lord, would you, you help us to see that we are in the battle and we have a real enemy, and, but, but we, we know the outcome, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, you fill us with your power to fight the good fight, to be victorious in the battle. 
And so, Jesus, we just say that you are king, you are our Lord, you are our, our master and our commander. You're the one who we follow. You're the one who gives us power and strength. And Lord, we do all of this in your name, in your power. And Lord, there's this beautiful part there in Revelation 12, where it says that we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. So Jesus, thank you for giving us the cross. Thank you for the blood of the Lamb. And Jesus, thank you that we have a testimony. We have a story to share. And through your blood and our testimony, we're able to overcome our enemy. Yeah, Jesus, we thank you for that. Yeah, we pray this all in your powerful and mighty name. Amen.